the show that takes you home. The Homestretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. This was the Chiefs' down year, and yet they're the ones looking down on everyone else. Doesn't matter. What happens in week 10? What happens in week 17? What happens in week 1 for sure does not matter. What happens what when you get into the playoffs, that is what matters. It's great and all. Niners, great season. Ravens, great season. Bills, good season. Dolphins, congratulations. Was not good enough. If you are the rest of the NFL right now, you are terrified. You're petrified. You're scared. How do you beat a team that is constantly evolving and find, finds ways to always pull out the victory. If you're the rest of the NFL and you've seen the Chiefs win on a rookie contract, you've seen them win uh, with Tyreek Hill, and now you've seen them win two without, you've seen them win with defense first, seen them win with special teams first, you've seen them win with Mahomes on a rookie deal and Mahomes with the, with the highest cap hit. In the NFL. Does not matter. They're hoisting Lombardis. I apologize for my voice. I'm struggling here. I did 108 interviews in Radio Row last week. I was in Vegas. Six days in Vegas. Uh, Surprisingly, y'all. A lot of days. I'm exhausted. I'm dead. I'm tired. But just like George Karloftis, I will not give up. Let's start with George, man, because I think George Karloftis had a serious case of being MVP in this game. Seriously, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to be over dramatic here. I think you can make McDuffie, Mahomes, Kelsey. Like, there, there's a few guys, Butker. Like, there are names, but George Karloftis, with no Charles Aminahu, had to have a big game, and boy, did he. 83% of the snaps. There's, what, 75 snaps defensively? Something ridiculous? He he was on the field an obscene amount. And did did one time did you ever see him run out of gas? Hell no, man. That motor does not quit. I was thoroughly impressed with not just his motor, but the fact that he understood... His rush lane, and how to also affect Christian McCaffrey so he could not bust out and get outside him. I mean, I think that has to be a storyline as well as the Chiefs dared. Legereus talked about it after the game. They dared Brock Purdy to beat him with his arm. Couldn't do it. They could not do it. McCaffrey had how many carries? How many yards? 22 for 80. Again, Brock Purdy only had, only took one sack. But it was the constant pressure, and the fact of the matter was, they were content with him throwing it. They were not going to be beat on the ground. They allowed McCaffrey to 
carried the rock 22 times, only 80 yards to show for it. That is what you do when you stay in your lane. Karloff is the entire game, making an impact while also understanding, unlike Nick Bost on the other side, not every play has to be a game changer. Not every play, as again, when you saw Nick Bosa crash down and Mahomes runs for a first down, not every play do you have to try and make the best play. Sometimes making the smart play is the best play. Carl Loftus in this game consistently made the best play. Mike Pinnell. Oh, number 69. Mike Pinnell was a game changer. Mike Pinnell deserves as much love as anyone else, man. Fact of the matter is this dude was sitting on his couch a couple weeks ago and Mike Pinnell on the biggest stage in the biggest moments, he came up huge. He was a massive reason why. McCaffrey ran for under four yards a carry. Mike Pinnell was a run stuffer. Mike Pinnell deserves an obscene amount of credit. Y'all go out there right now and buy yourself a Mike Pinnell jersey. I want to see Arrowhead packed full with Mike Pinnell jerseys because we understand the value he brought in this game. That's what I want to see. I can't get over this. We've all wondered... Who was going to be a guy that fills in on the defensive line for Karloff? I mean, not for, I mean for Minahu, for um, Derek Nottie. We were hoping Turk. We were hoping Danny Shelton. We were hoping uh, Keandre Coburn at the start of the season. It's been Mike Pinnell. It's always been Mike Pinnell. I want to give a huge shout out again to an underlying play in this game. On Butker's 57-yarder, in which we'll get to Butker in a moment, Tommy Townsend's ability to handle a poor snap, get the ball down, and at least allow Butker to try and kick that was huge. Huge. That, that snap was not easy to get down. Tommy Townsend, while he had some good punts, he had some bad punts. This season he's had a little bit of a struggle. Not once have we said his holds have been an issue. Last year, or was it the year before now? That was last year. Last year. Remember, that was a huge storyline. Seems so long ago. Him and Butker have consistently been on the same page all year long. Harrison Butker, yet again, proving why he's a top three kicker in the NFL, and quite frankly, you might make the case he's taken the reign from Justin Tucker. This year, 90 of 92. Uh, you know what's also impressive? Didn't miss a single field goal over 40-plus yards this year. <laughs> Just ridiculous. 57 yards. Had to kick it low because the, the snap, it was a poor snap again. Tommy, great job getting it down. Drano. Steph Curry. I mean, it, it's nuts. Harrison Butker is the best weapon on special teams in all of football right now. And you saw why in this game. 29-yarder. Now I get it. 29-yarder is not, is not a long distance. I understand that. But to send the game into OT, right? How many kickers shank that? Not saying all do. Maybe not even saying most do. Fact of the matter is, we all knew he wasn't. Seriously, how many times Vikings... How many times... I mean, the Vikings always come to mind because they, they, they had that... They shanked a few. 
Like, how many times in big moments do the kickers get overwhelmed? Yeah, we saw in Buffalo. A, a lot. See, in Chicago, I like, right. all the time. Butker? Nah, man. I don't care what it's from. He will hit it. So I sit back, and I just realize what a team effort this was. Of course, Mahomes, Kelsey, and, and CJ95. But it was the kicker. It was Richie James hanging onto the ball on punt returns. It was Nick Allegretti filling in for Joe Tooney, who, again, Allegretti has, didn't have a great game. But he did enough. He held on. He found a way to get it done. Like, this team is scrappy. They find ways. Carl Loftus, Dana, Mike Pinnell. Like, just going down the line. A team performance. Leo Chennault, this was his best game in his NFL career. And it came in the playoffs. It came in the Super Bowl. It came against George Kittle a lot of the times. Yeah, great blocking, huh? Two catches for four yards. But how was his blocking? The most asinine, absurd, atrocious argument that NFL fans try and give you. Doesn't matter that I asked Shannon Sharp and I asked who's the best tight end in football, who's the best all time. Immediately, Travis Kelsey. Immediately, he says, if everyone wants to call him a receiver, then why is no other tight end doing this? Why? Why? You want a guy for two for four yards and who, by the way, got his ass kicked up and down the field by Leo Chanel, but somehow that's a better tight end than a guy who put the team on his back multiple times in that game? Nah, man. Yeah, take the guy who eh, might be the better blocker. Who, by the way, Kelsey's always been a perpetually underrated blocker. I have no idea how this nonsense came into creation. A guy who's been a great blocker ever since his, what, second year on in the NFL. But nah, man. Because he's used as a receiver because he's the biggest game changer, the biggest mismatch. Because no one else in the NFL can do it. All of a sudden, we have to find ways to discredit Travis Kelsey. It's an abomination. Yeah, how's that blocking now? I would have loved, never never would they do it. Love Travis Kelsey, very outspoken. He loves George Kittle. We saw it on full display opening night. They're very good friends. I love George Kittle myself. I think George Kittle's the second best tight end in football. This is not a knock against him. But I would have loved, loved, if Kelsey would have took the mic and gave the old Shaq. Do you know the speech? I think I know what you're referring to, yeah. <laughs> if you know the speech, if you know, you know. And just give the, hey, Kittle, tell me how my taste. Remember that one? All-timer. Now I do, yeah. <laughs> All-timer. He wouldn't do it to Kittle. But to everyone who thinks he's not the best tight end in football, in the words of Deion Sanders, do you believe now? Come on. At his age, doing what he's doing, now do you see why he sat out week 18? He doesn't care about those 16 yards. Right. He cares about rings. And you heard him. What did he say? He said, I'll, we'll be back here next year. I'll see you next year. That's what he I'll said. I'll see you next year. What did Andy Reid say? He, he talked about how he didn't retire. No, no thoughts about it. Everyone else, not everyone, Certain people in the national media are trying to find ways to make people think it's almost over. It's almost over. <laughs> and, and Clark Hunt was with James Palmer yesterday and confirmed as much. I expect Andy Reid to be back next year. And you see the Chiefs quarterback is 28 years old. You see they've done it in a multitude of ways. 
You see Brett Veach finding ways like a virus to adapt and to overcome. Doesn't matter. They'll be there. And that's what I find so hilarious for other other teams. And I, I, I do feel bad for a lot of... Honestly, if you want my honest opinion, I feel bad for a lot of teams in the AFC because take yourself out of, out of being a Chiefs fan for a second. Say you are a Bengals fan, a Bills fan, a Ravens fan, any other team in the AFC. Any other team in the AFC uh, specifically here. You had to endure the Tom Brady New England dynasty for 20 years. He was a quarterback way longer than anyone else. When he was 35, you're probably thinking, finally, he's almost done. Okay, another, another decade longer. Like I get he went to the Buccaneers the last couple years, but still, like about another decade, decade longer. Right. You're thinking, this can't go on much longer. And there was no in-between. The baton was immediately passed from Tom to Mahomes. There was no, all right, finally, a five years of uh, at least a team's, other teams getting opportunities, getting their shots. A grace period, yeah. There was none. That's why I think teams were so excited when Mahomes, when they won the first one. It was, okay, finally, it's, it's another team in the AFC. It's not Tom. We're finally done with this. But then it just kept staying with Kansas City. And that's why I see AFC fans in particular being so upset and trying to find all these different ways to discredit what the Chiefs have done. They're trying to find ways to, to talk themselves into, oh, it's scripted. Oh, yeah, but the, but the Bengals won. If the Niners won, it's, it's legit. Yeah, how's that one? I love when people are like, you know, it's scripted. Then why didn't you put a whole bunch of money on the Niners? Or on the, on the Chiefs? And why, why didn't you just bet the house? They were underdogs. Why didn't you if it was scripted? If you know, if you know it's a script, and you know the Chiefs are going to win, then why didn't you? Because you don't know. Because it's obviously real, and you're an idiot. Like, like I, I, I can't understand people that, that think the NFL is scripted. I know Will Compton, by the way. If you see it, he's... Clearly trolling. So if you t- don't right. take it seriously, I talked to Will when we were at Radio Rail. I talked to him. Hilarious guy. Nice enough dude. Um, he does it because he wants to get a reaction. That's all it is. I-, I-, I said, why are you riling up Chiefs fans? And he goes, because it's too easy. So you got. He goes, I knew the Chiefs are going to win. He knows it. Everyone knows it, but you're trying to find ways to make yourself feel better, and sometimes the only way is to try and troll. It's sad, but it's true. And that's where we're at. The only way teams can make themselves feel better right now are trying to troll the Chiefs because they ain't going to beat the Chiefs. So you have to try and discredit the Chiefs. You can't do it. Chiefs team is too resilient, too good, too strong. And as we mentioned, they are young. Now, yes, there's a couple of tough decisions to be made. Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed. That conversation is most likely for a, a day down the road. But don't you trust Brett Veach to make the right move? He did it with Tyreek Hill. Traded Tyreek and people freaked out. Well, what have they done in the two seasons since Tyreek was traded? They've, two, got, they've gone back to back. Two rings. For the, fir- the first team to do it in two decades. And so I sit here now and go, Brett Veach needs a lot more credit. And also, I think we as fans, we in the media, maybe we need to take a step back and understand the bigger picture here. That when it's week eight and the Chiefs offense looks like two scoops of ass, that they know what they're doing. We, we might not see it on the field. It may not look like they know what they're doing out there. But they've shown time and time again when the lights get bright, 
they know what they're doing. It was MVS who had the touchdown. It was McCall Hardman with the game winner on Corn Dog. And this is why I find what I said going into this season, and I said at the halfway point, and then I kind of got off my own hypotheses for a second. While they didn't want the wide receiver core to look as this bad this year, right? That's not what I'm saying. The thought process was Mahomes can make his weapons better. Mahomes can't make the defense better. So we saw a plethora, a an absurd amount of draft capital as well as free agencies. Free all, all the, the the Mike Edwards, the Drews, the Minahus. They were sunk into the defense. The first rounders, Karloftis, McDuffie, right? The second rounders, Bolton, Gay, Leo, Brian Cook. Like, just all this draft, FAU, the draft capital that was spent on defense because they thought, okay, Mahomes can make offense better. He can't make the defense better. But it didn't work out during the season, right? Because the wide receivers were letting him down. Everything that could go wrong at wide receiver did besides Rasheed. But they believed they trusted in what happened in the Super Bowl and the playoffs as well. The defense, which all this money, all the draft capital was sunk into, they came up big. And when the game was on the line, when the Chiefs needed plays to happen, what did Mahomes do? He did elevate those guys. He took over. The game plan worked. Now again, the regular season was a struggle. But you look back now, on February 12th, as another Lombardi is being raised. And you have to imagine... The plan worked. The defense was the strength. The defense was what got this Chiefs team to where it's at. And they did trust Mahomes and Andy Reid. When the game is on the line, can those guys elevate? Just like you too, baby. Elevation. Sorry, I saw you two at the Sphere and it was great. I I was there. Um, Really cool, man. So that wasn't you who climbed the sphere? No, I did not. Cl- okay. I was inside okay. the okay, sphere. Good. Yeah. That's good to hear. The amount of people that texted me, was that you? As I was in Vegas, as I was going to the U2 concert, like, I don't like heights, guys. I don't like heights. There is zero chance. <laughs> that was going to be me. What were your takeaways, though? I mean, because I'm, I'm just looking back now, I'm like, it was the depth. It was Brett Veach. It was the fact that they traded Tyreek. It was the fact that they ha- had this win as a full team effort. It was Dave Merritt. It was Andy Heck. It was Steve Spagnolo. It-, it-, it was Matt Nagy. It was Andy Reid. It was the entire team and coaching staff that found a way to get this done. My, bi- my biggest takeaway from this, not only the Super Bowl, but the entire playoff run, has just been how disciplined and well-coached the Chiefs look. For, a, for, as you said, a young team, especially on defense. Man, they don't make any mistakes. It, it's, it is tough to beat. And I, I think Steve Spagnuolo should go down as one of, if not the best defensive coordinator in, in modern football. Four rings. Yeah. As a defensive coordinator. He's going to be the first coordinator, I believe, to ever get nominated into the Hall of Fame. I think this sealed it. It had to. How do you keep him out? I get it. His head coaching tenure was not great. What Spags has done, and by the way, this is why I kept telling folks when they wanted to fire Spags a couple years ago, I go, you guys are you're silly people. You're silly. I can't take you serious right now. Wait until he gets his guys. Wait until they finally develop and they get a little bit older. This is still the youngest adjusted age by starting, right? Like defense in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. They're young. Extremely young. But they're not a whole bunch of rookies anymore. Now they're in their second year or third year. Spags has his guys. Spags with his guys 
and the fact that Andy Reid lets him do whatever he wants, you see the results. Because one of the biggest plays of the game, Andy trusted Spags, and Spags drew up a absurd blitz where Trim McDuffie dropped back like he was in coverage and then ran forward, blitzed, and knocked the ball down. Brock Purdy couldn't do anything, yeah. right? And on the other side of things, Steve Wilkes, who I thought did a great job all game long, big play, Shanahan calls timeout. He didn't like the look that Steve Wilkes had, so Steve Wilkes switched out of it, and what happened? She's picking up first down. Like, they're, they're, again, I'm not saying that it wouldn't have also torched Wilkes the other way, but I, I thought that was interesting. It was... Okay, one guy trusts his coordinator is calling a great game. The other, he doesn't. I found that very intriguing to me. Yeah, it just goes down to pregame and just planning. The Chiefs were incredibly prepared, and Andy Reid does not have to step on his defensive coordinator. Steve Spagnuolo just has those guys, and not to mention, I mean, yeah, we've I've said it already, but they're young. But it's not like these guys are just a, a bunch of award winners, right? No. There's not a ton of Stars. Uh, Mahomes didn't get a vote for MVP. Maybe one. He got one. No, he got he got fourth place. Yeah, exactly. And on defense, you just have besides McDuffie and Karloftis, you got a bunch of unheralded guys. Okay, really. Chris Jones and Sneed. My fault. My fault there. I was thinking of first round picks, but uh, I, I get mean, what, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's just. It's not Fred Warner, Eric Armstead, right. Javon Hargrave, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, yeah. uh, even Traverius Ward, second team All-Pro this year. Um, I get what you're saying. Like, Dre Greenlaw, who I feel horrendous for, yeah, by the way. I don't. By the way, he was laying the wood early. Dre Greenlaw was everywhere. I felt brutal for him. That that really sucks. Yeah, that was a huge loss for the Niners, and on just uh, one of the most unfortunate <laughs> fortunate ways you can possibly get injured in that game, but... You know, back to the Chiefs, really. It's just the coaching staff had these guys so well prepared. And I remember going flashing back to the Raiders game on Christmas Day. I mean, I was down in the dumps as a Chiefs fan. People around this station were down in the dumps, too. Uh, I remember uh, Curtis, Curtis Seabold, he tweeted out a big, long, lengthy, yeah. multiple-threaded tweet. Yep. Right? And he quotes... He quote tweets it last night, and he goes, "Idiot!" Yeah, it was great. Like, we all were like, "No, this can't, this can't continue." Yeah. No, so overarching changes need to happen, yeah. and then we're like, "Oh, they had a plan. Yeah, they knew what they were doing." And so, my hats off to the entire coaching staff for just having a young group of guys who had been there before the the year before. But really, I mean, the penalty mistakes they got cleaned up in this postseason, and that defense they went through. The number two, number three, number four, and number six scoring offenses in the NFL. And they only allowed 63 points. That's crazy to me. Um, again, going back to your comment about them being better coached, right? Just more prepared. Uh, after the game, Chiefs players and coaches, they had a prepared strategy in the event that the Super Bowl went to overtime. Multiple 49ers players admitted they were not even aware of the rules. Uh, Eric Armstead said, quote, I didn't even know about the new playoff overtime rules, so it was a surprise to me, end quote. Uh, then went on to say, I don't even really know what was going on in terms of that. Now, I will say the broadcast was not great in terms of what happens if the first quarter ends, if it all of a sudden it's a new overtime or if it goes to the second quarter. They brought it up as the clock was running down of, oh, yeah, it goes to the second quarter, not a second overtime. Um but the players have to know this. The players and the coaches have to know this. This is your job. You get paid millions of dollars to know this. Um, I mean, Chris Jones revealed that they talked about this in training camp. Yeah. Like, 
that's insane. I mean, he wouldn't he wasn't there, but you know, they talked about this in the preseason. What's wild is, according to ESPN, Niners coach Kyle Shanahan said he and his analytics staff discussed overtime possibilities before the game. But Armstead and fullback Kyle Yushik both said that overtime strategy was not discussed with the 49ers, 49ers players leading up to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and there you have it. They thought they won the game with a touchdown. Yeah. Or they would have won the game with a touchdown. What was great, though, was it didn't matter because they kicked a field goal and the Chiefs scored a touchdown. So even with the old rules, it wouldn't have mattered. Um, but the fact that they also took the ball was surprising. I understand that you take the ball, and then if the Chiefs score, you now have sudden death. I get that. I also understand that if you think your defense is just beat up or the Chiefs defense yeah. is extremely tired, you want to take advantage of I get that. Why? You want to know what you need to get. Yeah. The and Chiefs had the advantage. They went for it on fourth down. Yeah, they had that extra down on each, on each series. Would know? they have punted? Maybe. Maybe not. But they had that extra down. They at least knew what they had to do. Niners, on the other hand, would they have gone for on fourth and four? Or would they have kicked the field goal? Like, there were a lot of thoughts to be had, but that's one that I thought was the most surprising. Them taking the football in that situation, in that scenario. And again, you hear them after the game basically saying, we had no idea what was going on. Not a good look. A really bad look, in my opinion, for the coaching staff of the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, I'm not a player, but I didn't know the rules either. But but the Chiefs did. I remember I was part of the part of the uh, post game post game crew here last night at eight ten, and I'm asking Dylan like, what happens? What happens? And Dylan, of course, knew right away. Yep. But it, it's insane to me that you're playing in the Super Bowl. How do you not discuss that with your players? Yeah. I just seems so unprepared, and that Kyle Shanahan should know better. Yep. To be honest with you. Just going off your point, Justin Reed said that preparation began in, tra- began in training camp. Chris Jones told reporters that the Chiefs uh, talked for two weeks about the new overtime rules. Um, Jones said that if the Niners had scored a touchdown on their opening overtime possession to take a seven-point lead, the Chiefs were prepared to go for two. I mean, like again, the Chiefs had everything, all their everything in a row, all their ducks in a row. The Niners were just like, oh, oh my gosh, what happened? Uh, what what's going on? I don't know, Jim. I don't know. That's what happened. The Chiefs were prepared. The Niners were not. I just still can't get over Harrison Butker, man. I That guy deserves all the flowers. I mean, this quite possibly could be one of the greatest kicking seasons in NFL history. Now, I want to look up his contract for a moment here because it might be the final year of his contract. If so, he earned himself... A lot of money. Um, yeah, he's an unrestricted free agent next year. If I'm reading this correctly, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Maybe he's he's under contract for next year. I, I believe he is. Adam Schefter tweeted out Chiefs' key free agents this offseason. Uh, Tommy Townsend listed. Uh, I know Tommy is. No Harrison Butker listed. It looks like so. Then Harrison Butker's contract. He has one more year. Um, at a very f- team-friendly, if you will, contract. Um, it is a $4.5 million cap hit, it looks like. So, 
All right, that's good to know. And frankly, it doesn't matter what the cap hit is. Uh, I can't see this team cannot replace Harrison Butker. Yeah, man, <laughs> I mean, they'll they'll find a way. He yeah. he might become the highest paid kicker. And and if you were that good in the clutch, yeah, that's what matters for kickers. I, I get you can be great during the regular season. Tyler Basher was, but what do you do with the game on the line? There's no kicker I trust more than but even Ju- even Justin Tucker, who I think is the best kicker in NFL history. Him and Vinatieri, right? I think it's those two guys. Game on the line. I trust Butker more than Justin Tucker. I just do. Especially from distance. Especially from distance. I mean, Butker now holds, I couldn't believe it, uh, the uh, Niners kicker set the record. 55 yards. And Good for him. Butker hit, it, hit a 57-yarder on, as you mentioned, that bad snap. Credit to Tommy Townsend. And he hits just a low-line drive. Cash. I, I, I want to give a lot of credit to Jake uh, Moody for a second here because... That's tough. He's had a pretty rough playoffs as a kicker. He's been up and down, and he makes that 55-yarder, I believe, right? 55-yarder. And then he has an extra point that was on him. Now, the Chiefs players put their hands up, but it wasn't like they got a huge push. You heard Jay Feely talk about it. That was a bad kick. It was very low, and quite frankly, if you watched it, it looked like that thing was kicked off his ankle. That thing was going to be a hook. That thing was about to go well, well left. That's on Moody, but he found a way to bounce back and drill a 50-yarder that was absolutely necessary in that moment, right, to give them a three-point lead. So I got to give credit where credit's due. I feel I felt happy for him and also happier for Kansas City for winning because that always sucks when a kicker misses a kick like that. You're a rookie. Yeah, You're like, yeah. oh, oh, man, is my career over already before it's even begun? Um, so happy for him, but I'm even happier for Harrison. Yeah, and all in all, I think that game ended – and possibly the best way, you know. Yeah. No, no controversial flag. Nope. Uh, no miss kick. Uh, just an overtime battle. Two off. Two great offenses. Two great defenses going at it. Yeah. And the better team came out on top. Before we get a break, how about Chris Conley? I thought Chris Conley for the. I, I like giving the other team their due too because again, the Niners played a great game. The Chiefs were just better. That's what it came down to. Chris Conley, I thought, was a madman on special teams. That guy was flying down the field. Yeah. He laid out Richie James twice. Yep. Had a huge catch for 18 yards, but I thought Chris Conley was a special teams um, maverick in that game. He also, was he the guy that downed the ball like the two-yard line? I'm pretty sure it's Chris. Yes, he was. I mean, Chris Conley was all over the field, former Chief. You could tell he was excited. Um uh, Got to give former yeah. Chief Chris Conley his due there. Yeah, it was good to see him. I, honestly, I was surprised. I, I had no idea he was in the league, and that's on me. That's on me, Chris. Uh, all right, question before we go to break. Let's think about it. Brantz asks on Facebook, who has three rings? Mahomes, Kelsey, Jones, Naughty, and Hardman. So those three guys do. Who else does? Allegretti, would, he would not have been in the first one. Woody, he came the year after. Um, Clyde would have been the year after. Um, defensively, Frank Clark would have only had two. Mike Pinnell has two. Great question, Brands. We'll take a break and we'll think about the players that now have three rings for the Chiefs, but I believe you are correct. Take a break, come back, home stretch, ESPN, Kansas City. We are the champions. Chiefs did make some mistakes. They had a few. 
They did come through. You should mix this with I Want to Ride My Bicycle. Just really just confuse everyone listening. Um, <laughs> no? You don't know that song? Is that going to rock with me on that one? I don't. I don't. Wow. Soft. Uh, all right. Everyone listen. ESPN Bet is now live in Kansas. As the official sports book of ESPN, ESPN Bet is the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. Sign up today and new users get a hundred bucks in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Find all your favorite markets and bets like in-game wagering, cross-sport parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle. That's ESPN Bet. Download today. What a play. Must be 21 plus gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Did you win any money over the... Uh... I did no betting. Wow. Not on the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't either, man. If, if my team's in it, team I, I care, cover, root for, uh-uh. 100% of my focus had to be on the game. I actually didn't bet it in the playoffs. I, I realize that now. I did during the divisional round. And then after that, I realized, no, I can't do that to myself. <laughs> I did bet in Vegas. How do you think I did? I, I'm going to guess and say you probably came away 100 bucks less. I won 60 bucks. Wow. Yeah, everyone, everyone listening, I apologize. If you go to Vegas and all the casinos are shut down, um, I'm sorry I took all their money. <laughs> Um, it was impressive. Yeah, I won sixty bucks. I was down a hundred. Okay, playing some blackjack and some roulette. I got dumb, man. I was up a little bit, and then before bed, you have a f- few cocktails in you, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm on a heater. Let's put an all on black baby. Came a bread, just like the Super Bowl came a bread, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. I, I thought I had it in the bag there, didn't have it in the bag. So then I uh, go to a cheaper. Hotel, cheaper casino, to try and play some blackjack. Only fifteen dollar hands now instead of twenty five. Kyle got up two sixty. Old boy was feeling himself, and you never go off when you're on a heater. So I had to go back because I had to work the next morning at six a.m. It's two a.m. But I go, when am I going to be in Vegas again? So my dumbass is back down and tries to play more uh, blackjack at the expensive tables back where I'm staying, Mandalay Bay. Yeah, I lost a lot. So I, I won 60 bucks overall, so I'm not too mad at myself. I'm still pretty excited. But it's one of those ones where you're like, Sterling, you idiot. Why didn't you just leave while you were up even more? But it's all about the experience, okay? I also consumed two frozen drinks, one on the Strip and one on Fremont Street. I feel like I got the real Vegas experience out of me, you know? Vegas, not for me. Not when I'm working, okay? When you're working, you think... Or when you go to Vegas, you think, oh, great, it's going to be so much fun. Well, we're going to go out and stay out so late. You're like, yeah, but dude, you got to wake up at 6 a.m. and then talk all day for 8 to 9 to 10 hours. So you didn't really drink. You didn't really do the that stuff. But I did as much as I possibly could in the time I was there. Uh, all right, the three rings. Does Butker also have three rings? Oh, sorry. Yes, he does. So can I take a gander? Do you have the list pulled up by chance? Uh, I know, but uh, yeah, I do. I, okay. I have the list. So Mahomes, Kelsey, Jones, Naughty, correct, and then Hardman, correct. Then you have Butker. Did 
Tommy Townsend did get all three, didn't he? No, he did not. The first 49ers Super Bowl was Colquitt. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think Colquitt got one. That was why I thought the whole thing was we should give Colquitt one. But you're right. He went out on top. Then he actually went to the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken, afterwards for a little bit. Um, but no, I, I did. The, my next guess was Tommy Townsend because I remember that was about the time. James Winchester. There it is. There it is. Is it the last one? Last one. James Winchester. Nice work. Can't, can't, can't forget him, baby. He deserves it. Man. Kadarius Tony, two time Super Bowl champion. Sky Moore, two time Super Bowl champion. He was active last night. I don't we did not see him though. It's like when you see um Priest Holmes, Super Bowl champion, and you look back because it's the Ravens. Or when you see Trent Green, Super Bowl champion, but because he was the backup quarterback for the uh the Rams. Cause he backed up Kurt Warner, correct? If I'm not mistaken on that Rams team. That's right. That's how we knew Dick Vermeil so well. Yeah. Obviously. Man. Being a Chiefs fan right now is unreal. Think about 10 plus years ago. Think about growing up. Think about all the years that we've endured. Even if you've been around the NFL a long time and you've been a Chiefs fan through the previous glory days of, of Jan Stinnerud and Bobby Bell and Willie Lanier and, um, you know, Lynn Dawson and, and even Joe Montana's time here. Like, like think about all of the. Great years in Kansas City. Nothing compares to this. Derek Thomas even, right? Like, I mean, like, DT and Neil Smith and Deron Cherry and all those guys. Nothing compares. Like, sorry, it's Prince. Nothing compares to you. Yeah. As a you kid, as in now. <laughs> yeah. As a kid growing up, my stars were Priest Holmes, Dante yeah. Hall. I remember Eddie Kinnison. Eddie Kinnison was, was legit. Those were my guys. <laughs> Now sitting here, twenty five years old, I got I got a better better group of studs that are leading my team. Yeah, yeah. Question on Facebook Live: Who would you rather keep, MVS Moore or Tony? Good question. You go first, Kyle. Who would you, you rather have for next season, Tony Moore or MVS? This is tough because I have an easy answer for me. Uh, MVS, uh, he totally has redeemed himself, but given his cap hit next year. Uh, I'm easy letting that go. I don't think the Chiefs bring back Tony, so I'm going Sky Moore. Sky Moore is the obvious one because he's on a rookie contract. Yeah. And I still believe in Sky a little bit. Like, I know a lot of people don't. I get that. I, I understand why people don't. I was high on him coming out of college. So I guess for me, part of this is, is, is my fault for trying to make my prediction come true of him being a val- I didn't ever say he was going to be like incredible, but I thought he was going to be like Deontay Johnson, like a really good wide receiver, too. Um, a guy who you can have you go out there and can create in space and pick up a huge third down. Um, the issue is Deontay has clearly been able to show the ability to play on the outside in the NFL. Scam Moore has not. Now, I do want to point out where she Rice took over the slot role a lot this year, and that moved Sky Moore outside. Well, Rasheed thrived in the slot. Sky Moore, when he played in the slot, actually was fine. But nowhere near as good as Rasheed. So you had to move him outside because you're trying to make Rasheed the best player he can possibly be. Trying to have the best team you can possibly have, and Rasheed was better than Sky in the slot. But if Rasheed starts moving outside more, that would allow Sky to move back to his natural wide receiver position, which is slot. Now, I talked to a whole plethora of wide receivers down there on Radio Row. Outside of like the elite guys, like Jamar Chase, he can line up anywhere, he's going to make plays. Doesn't matter. But certain wide receivers are like, yeah, man, it's a massive difference going from slot to the outside. Like, now you have to learn all these different roles. Now you're going up against Jalen Ramsey instead of a uh, slot corner or a safety or a linebacker, right? It's a massive difference. So, 
I would keep Sky, and I do wonder if he takes a step forward next year, keep a lookout, it's probably him playing in the slot with Rasheed Rice playing on the outside. Because Rasheed, I think, can play anywhere and is going to have a good year. This was him trying to get his feet wet. They got him his 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 feet wet in the slot and now they might potentially move him. Yeah. Um MVS might be back on a cheaper contract. You know, no one's picking up that cap hit. Right. But 12 million dollars I believe it was. I like MVS in the playoffs. I do like his blocking and his his veteran leadership to an extent. Now he had an up and down season, the drops and all that stuff. But his teammates love him. Yeah. He does know the playbook and um Ever since he's had his MVS charity events, softball events, the MVS charity softball events, the Chiefs host Lombardi's. They hoist him. I was laughing. I actually asked MVS. Uh, I talked to him about his charity event because I was. I said, is it now becoming a Super Bowl parade now, basically, a separate one? He laughed and goes, I like the sound of that. I will also point out, he's not a huge fan if you say playoff. Can I go, playoff MVS is a real thing, man. What do you make of your ability to step up in the playoffs? I think he takes it as, are you, are you calling me like I'm buns in the regular season? And I was kind of like, well, I mean, you know, it wasn't a great regular season. But yeah, you do step in the big moments. And that's what matters. Like, that is what matters. McCall Harbin had a bad year, couldn't track the deep ball since he came to KC. What happens in the playoffs in the Super Bowl? He tracks the deep ball. Yeah. I mean, I, I know Pacheco fumbled, but he tracked the deep ball. Brett Down, you looked at the, the corner who was coming over for, for, for help, and he was like, no way, the ball's coming over here. No way. Drop. Uh, just dropping the bucket, and then like, there is something to having that playoff acumen, the ability to not let the moment get too big. And I don't care what MVS does in the regular season. If he does this in the, in the postseason, bring him back on a team-friendly deal. Now, if he wants what he's currently getting, sorry, we'll have to look elsewhere. But again, we will see. Um, and then Tony, I think, is done. Do you think Tony's done for sure? Because I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that what they tried doing was a PR move. One, so he wouldn't get inundated with questions while on Radio Row. Uh, I saw him walking by, and he was moving quick. Like Everyone's walking around milling, trying to talk to people, right, because it's fun. Um, he didn't seem to be wanting to talk to a whole bunch of folk. Yeah, I mean, healthy scratch. Uh, essentially, they've been without him for six games, and he's... I, and I'm completely speculating here, but he's probably been healthy for the last two at least. Well, they had to move him off of the uh, injury report yeah. because he said he was healthy. I mean, that's right. Weird, but is what it is. Yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of looks next year. Some of these smaller named guys, like is Drew Tranquil going to come back? Is Willie Gay Jr. going to come back? Is um, Nick Allegretti? I don't know if he's had a one- or two-year deal. Is he going to come back? Donovan Smith, probably not. Wania Morris, I'd assume, is getting the nod. Um, Legereus, Chris Jones, obviously. Uh, Dion Bush, Mike Edwards, Drew Tranquil. There's a lot of names, yeah, Mike some Dana, smaller names Mike up well. for free agency. Yeah, uh, Donovan Smith, obviously. I think you mentioned him. Yeah. Uh, Turk Wharton. Turk. Richie James, Blaine Gabbert, Blake Bell, Dion Bush, and Winchester. Yeah, man. Again, the guys you don't think about, but it's what makes a good roster great. Those guys. It's not always the 1 through 10. It's the 43 through 53. Yeah, and as you mentioned earlier in the show, it's the guys like Leo Chanel who got 36% of the snaps, but he was one of the highest-graded PFF uh, Chiefs players. I think he was the highest grade. I mean, he, he was? Oh, wow. He oh, was unreal in that game. Yeah. Unreal, man. And that's just, He's done it now in back-to-back postseasons, by the way. That's right. Leo's now getting that playoff Frank Clark in him, huh? 
Is MVS the offensive version of playoff rank? Ooh. I like that. I can go with that. Could be, man. I, I also see more of Frank Clark's attitude and, and you know the amount of dog. I see that in Isaiah Pacheco, but I, I understand it. He performs when the when the uh, when the moment you know requires it. Before we go to break, the mannerisms of the Chiefs in the second half were so much different than the first. The first half, they were a little bit flustered, right? You saw Travis Kelsey, which I don't want to get into too much because Andy Reid himself said it wasn't a big deal. You hate to see it. It happened. They move on. Second half, did you see him celebrate after any first down? Did you see Travis Kelsey when he picked up that big first down and basically broke the dude's shoulder? He just ran, bulldozed him. Do you see him get up and start celebrating and doing the first down? No, man. I noticed that. I go, oh, no, man. This is business. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes had several runs, too. He After each one, popped right back up. You know, he's doing that yeah. hand signal, giving the play. There was no, look at me. And again, I get a lot of times the regular season you do to try and hype yourself up, too. It's a little bit of a combo, right? If you watch the second half, all these big plays happening. First down being picked up. Momentum changing plays. Chiefs players reacting. That is business as usual. I thought that was very impressive. I, I, I thought that was, it was like Barry Sanders scoring a touchdown. Just hand it right back. Why are we celebrating? Who cares? Another play. We've been here before. We're going to do it again. Take a break. Come back. Home stretch. ESPN, Kansas City. The Chiefs just won their second Super Bowl, but uh, they are not done. Hours after the Chiefs became the first team to win the back-to-back Super Bowls in 20 years, as you mentioned, um, they started to aim to be in the first team to ever win three straight championships. Mahomes said it would be legendary. No one's ever done it. And we know it's legendary to win back-to-back. I think eight other teams have done it. We heard it all week. We talked to the guys who'd gone back-to-back about it. We felt like we had the best opportunity that we ever had to go there and do that. Um, all of their celebratory notes had an air of, this is great. We're not done. Because I think a lot of these guys understand they now have the opportunity to set records. Like, it's no longer like, okay, this is great, we won one, we got our one ring. Like, that's like the first and foremost is you want to win one. Then after that, it's can you stack them up? Can you be the best at your position? Can you have the most rings at your position? Like, I do think there's something to that, even if you're not the the superstar. Robert Orr, we still talk about him and all his rings, right? Like, that's still a big thing of he was the missing piece. You know, Will Smith, who's now in the Royals, like, all the World Series, he's won on different teams. Like... There is something to winning, even if you're not the guy, even if you're not Mahomes or Kelsey or Chris Jones. While it might not make you a Hall of Famer, you'll be remembered forever if, again, you remember the Robert Ories. You remember the Derek Fishers. The Steve Kerrs. The Steve, you remember these guys. So I think for a lot of them, 
that's why the air of confidence was, or the air of post-game was not one of just uh, elation, but also one of, we know what we can still accomplish. Very impressive. By the way, do you think uh, think the Chiefs won that Jets trade with, uh, with them for McColl? I'd like to think so. And I love seeing post-game, just Travis Kelsey especially, just you know, hyping that guy up, saying, you know, a lot of people didn't believe in that guy. The Jets certainly didn't. Did you hear what uh, he said when he caught the ball? I'm yeah. blacked out. <laughs> I'm blacked out. <laughs> he told a great story, and uh, he was doing a TV interview, and Mahomes came up right behind him with uh, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew and Chris Rose and those guys on NFL Network. And Mahomes comes up right behind him and just says, I throw this guy the ball, and he's just standing there. I'm like, dude, we just won the Super Bowl. I, I believe him when he says he blacked out. That, that's awesome. Uh, parade should be, should be beginning downtown at 11 a.m. on Valentine's Day. Should last approximately 90 minutes. Um, the parade route will start at 6th Street and Grand and then head south towards Union Station. Once the parade ends, obviously the rally begins outside Union Station at approximately 1245 um, you obviously never know. Sometimes it's later, sometimes it's earlier, but let's be real. Everyone who's down there is going to be down there early, having fun and celebrating what yet, what yet again is the Chiefs Super Bowl. Well, this was a fun victory Monday, and guess what? Every single Monday until next year, until the season starts, is a victory Monday. Enjoy it, Kansas City. We're out.